This is the life that God wants to change with my exact relationships and my exact work and my opportunities and my challenges. Resistance is my little, I don't feel like it in the face of God's robust invitation to say yes. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. David and I are excited to continue the conversation on hurry. Last episode, you heard from John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this episode, you're going to hear from Alan and Jim Fadling. These guys are incredible. They share their own story and really how God has used them to slow leaders down. So again, we are going to talk about hurry. We're going to talk about the damage that hurry can do to our lives, to our leadership and those that we lead. Um, Alan has written an unhurried leader, an unhurried life, and he and Jim together wrote, what does your soul love? We're going to talk about those themes and uh, we just can't talk too much about this topic, David. I mean, I think that today the warp speed is affecting us in so many ways. And I mean, I, I think I could get this message five times a week on literally Monday to Friday. It's just a reminder slow down and be present. Where do you personally struggle with hurry in your life? Yeah. I mean, this has been, I said it in the last episode when we talked about hurry, but this has been a personal conviction of my life that, you know, you don't even realize it. And that's what's so deadly about it is you're moving at a pace and you're looking at your peers and you're comparing yourself to others. And this is just a part of life and it's often become a part of leadership. And I think that's why overwhelm is so prevalent is that we can produce so much more than we used to be able to do. In fact, there were studies that would say, hey, pretty soon we're going to only have 15-hour work weeks. We're going to have to figure out how to spend our time, which is hilarious to think about that we've had all of this technology to make us so much more productive, but we feel as rushed and as busy and as overwhelmed as ever before. And I find myself doing that. It's just, it's not so much you know, the things that I'm trying to take on, it's the pace at which I'm trying to do it. And that's where it becomes overwhelming and unsustainable. And I begin to not rest like I should. Um, and it, so it affects all different aspects of my life. So it's just a really prevalent issue that I see in my own life and I see um, in leaders all across the country. Yeah. One thing I love to ask people I'm coaching is how are you sleeping right now? Because it tells on us so much. And if it's, well, I'm waking up early and my mind is racing, I can't go to sleep. Whatever that is, you know, for us, that, that keeps us up at night, that keeps us waking up earlier and earlier in the morning um, can be very, very destructive. So what's underneath that, I think, is the question. And uh, we're going to be talking about our souls in this episode. And many times I'll go through the course of the week and really not examine how is my soul. Someone says, how are you doing? Some days I think, well, I'm, I'm not even sure. And so, I mean, my confession is that I'm not born with a slow brain. I'm born with you know, just very quick fire brain. I've got a bunch of ideas. I want to go, go, go. Uh, and so I am passionate about this message because it really saved my life. The idea of Sabbath saved my life, of slowing down, of looking back at the week, then looking up and asking God what he desires of me and how I can steward this one life and looking ahead and planning ahead. This is why we came out with the Right Setup Journal. This is why we coach leaders. This is why we have tools so that we can slow ourselves down. And I think it, at some point, we just have to talk more and more about elimination. We've got to get rid of things in our lives. We just can't do them all 
and then compound with the kind of speed that we're doing them at. And so Mm -hmm. uh, if you guys are listening, we are not coming from a place like we've got it figured out. Not at all. I mean, laughably, David and I continue to wrestle through these, but we are committed to battling well and to wrestling well with this idea of hurry, this idea of elimination. What would it look like for us to be fully present as so much of Jesus's ministry was happening in the margins? Uh, We have no margin. And so it's really hard to have empathy, hard to have compassion, and really hard to seize all the opportunities that are right in front of us. So this is a good one. As always, if it resonates with you, go ahead and share it. Get this out to leaders of any kind who can be nourished by this content. So without further ado, I want to welcome my friends, Alan and Jim Fadling onto the podcast. Well, we've got a couple on the podcast today, a couple who maybe for lack of a better term, I call the unhurried people. I had a conversation with Alan Fadling, and uh, you may have heard of his book, An Unhurried Life or An Unhurried Leader, which I absolutely recommend. But he and his wife, Jim, are on the podcast today and have recently written a book called What Does Your Soul Love? So Alan and Jim, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for having us. So how did you guys push into this message and find yourself writing about rest and about soul care and about this crazy idea called unhurried living? (laughs) Well, uh, as uh, some say that uh, authors end up writing books that they need, and uh, that would surely be true of, you know, an unhurried life and then later an unhurried leader. Uh, This message really started almost 30 years ago. As a young leader in a large church, concurrently going full-time to seminary, I just hit some places of deep burnout. And um, thankfully, God was kind enough at the time to bring some mentors into our lives. They began to introduce us to spiritual practices. We wouldn't have used the language of unhurried then, but in many ways, that's what was happening. As we learned to practice solitude and silence and less hurried ways to engage Scripture and such— there was just something happening in our souls that we found ourselves grateful for. And then it wasn't until later that some language that Dallas Willard used about ruthlessly eliminating hurry began to become a kind of seed that grew in my soul, grew in our souls, gave us language for this journey we've been on. And it became our way of talking about how do you actually walk with God in the midst of working with God. And so that's, at least from my perspective, some of, of that journey. And I think central to what we're talking about is the the hurry we're talking about is inside of us, because we all know that we can live a very busy life. We have been joking about how we've never been busier, yeah, <laughs> leading true. an organization called Unhurried Living. So what we uh, what we talk about is being tested all the time. But the, but the issue is this, can you be unhurried in thought? Can you be unhurried in your heart? Can you be unhurried in your center as you're doing all these wonderful things you're doing? And that's part of the conversation. So why is hurry so destructive? Well, let's see. That sounds like the, a topic for about three podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah, I think, in three hours or less, please. Yes, yes. Well, so there's there's plenty of tangible evidence for how our hurried orientation, these anxious driven souls, how it is quite literally doing damage to our hearts. Uh, It is doing harm in our relationships. We don't have time to interact with one another. 
loving each other takes time. You can't do that in a hurry. Relationships take time. You can't do that in a hurry. And most of what God wants us to be involved in requires that we be present. And when we're in a hurry inside, we're anything but present to the people around us. And so we just feel like, uh, well, for example, just today I was thinking, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, not one of them works well in a hurried soul. And so I just think there's a lot about this, uh, the genius of Jesus' unhurried way of living, of relating to people, of engaging his Father and engaging the work the Father had given him. I just think it's a beautiful vision for life, and, and it's why we've been so drawn to this way of talking about the, the Christian life and, and ministry. I love this quote, maybe one of the favorite quotes uh, from the book. When Jesus says, follow me, he's not inviting us into a race. Did I say that right, Alan? Well, I think I've said something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, th- it's interesting. You know, there is language in the scriptures about running a race. Absolutely. Uh, the imagery of, uh, of athletes is in there. But when we're talking about our souls, that's really a different thing. I, I really think the language in the, in, the, in the scriptures about how we interact with God is really much more about a restful posture, a, a relational engagement. Uh, the image uh, that Jesus loves to use is this image of a yoke, that we are in the yoke with him. He gets to determine the pace. And what I've come to find is that uh, the, the pace of God is an unhurried pace. It's the pace of love. It's the pace of peace. It's the pace of joy. It's the pace of patience. And those are a very different kind of pace from the common cultural pace around us, whether you're just in the broader culture or even within the culture of Christian organizations sometimes. So you guys train leaders all over the world. I'm curious, um, right now, do you believe there are more leaders burning out than there were, say, 10 or 20 or 30 years ago? I think, uh, so again, of course, this will be anecdotal from, you know, from our own encounters, but I am hearing this language everywhere I go. I heard, um, I was in, actually both of us were in Rwanda earlier this year. And, you know, of course, there this year, they are recognizing the 25-year anniversary of the genocide, which is a horrible, painful story in their history. But what's been remarkable is has been the development of that country over 25 years, uh, the development of a middle class. And that's a, a great gift. Um, but what has come right alongside it is a growing awareness of hurry and of burnout to the point where uh, Rick Warren was actually in country the same week we were. And one of the things he felt the need to say was to be sure that you're making space to rest, make sure you're making space to take a day off. Uh, this actually comes up uh, everywhere we go. And I think there's any number of reasons for it. You know, there are some cultures that are not as naturally hurried as maybe ours uh, tends to be. But the advent of a lot of the technologies that um, drive our lives have had a way of hurrying us more, making us feel like we're sort of supposed to be humanly omnipresent (laughs) And uh, that that turns out to be a rather exhausting prospect. So yeah, we run, we're running into this everywhere we go. Yeah, when we were in Rwanda this summer, it was quite noticeable. The pastors that we were training, all of them were, I think, overly attached to their phones, so much so that they left them on during our meetings and would get up and answer calls. 
and um, which is not that's not the worst sin ever, but it was just telling that they didn't feel that they at any point could be quote off duty. And that's just hazardous to the soul of a leader. There has to be a time when you feel that you could say no to things so that you could refill. I, you know, I noticed the same thing, Jim, when I was in Ecuador, we were training some leaders and kind of our brand within a brand at Stay Forth is right side up. And so we train right side up leaders in an upside down world. And I thought, is this just American stuff? I mean, am I going to come in as the typical Westerner, you know, with our own stuff? But it turns out as we've exported a lot of technology, we've also exported a lot of dysfunction. And I noticed the same thing, that they were getting up and far more attached to their phones um, than we even would be. We may glance down, maybe we just do it privately and we're just as attached, but you're right, it would it would interrupt that. And what was interesting is actually the young pastors were really kind of bringing the wood on the older pastors saying, you guys have to have a different pace of life. So it was an interesting dynamic. I thought we would find it was kind of a very American thing. And it turns out in the heart of South America, uh, some of these guys coming from as far as the Amazon, exact same thing. So just an interesting paradigm to to think through. You guys are with leaders in all kinds of different spaces. What do you say to someone who comes to you and says, I think I'm burning out or I think I'm burned out? What do you say? First, I say, I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This hurts. I know. Man, I know how that feels. And uh, it is not a place anybody makes a long-term plan for. Here's my 10-year vision. You know, I'll work really hard for eight and then I'll just completely run out of gas. So I always try to empathize first. And then I just say, you know, um, it may be that your recovery from burnout will require uh, removing some items from your calendar. Uh, For some of us, that's not very easy to do unless we just flat don't have the health anymore. And now it's like you're sick and in the hospital kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that you push pause on your actual activities. The main thing I say is that, you know, an engine burns out because it's not well cared for. Mm -hmm. Uh, not it's not just running out of gas. And so I like to say, you know, you have lived your life, if we were using the metaphor of breathing, as though breathing were only an exhale activity. And what I'm going to invite you to do is begin to ask God, what would it look like for me to inhale? I can only exhale what I've inhaled. I mean, that's just that's just biology. Nothing mysterious about that at all. And when it comes to the matters of the soul and when it comes to the matters of engaging with God in the work of the kingdom, we need to be able to inhale and exhale. There is a receiving and a giving. It's it's the same language God used when he blessed Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. That's actually been God's intent and plan all along. taking a break from our conversation today because we want to share something exciting with you. Alan and I started this podcast because um, we want to see leaders get healthy. Um, From our own experience and just seeing what's happening with other leaders, leaders are feeling overwhelmed, they're battling anxiety, they're confused, they're tired, and they're burning out. That's why we started the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We wanted to have conversations centered around health and leadership. And it's been an amazing journey, right? Having you guys follow along, we've seen that these conversations have resonated with all sorts of leaders all across the country. And not just across the country, but we've been listened to in 37 different countries around the world. 
And so for us to continue pressing into these conversations, we've done something that we're really excited about. We've created a Patreon page. And Patreon is a membership platform where you can directly support this podcast. We've set up several tiers that you can support us at, starting at just $5 a month. And if you choose to hop on as a supporter, each tier has a list of rewards. This starts with personal shout-outs on the podcast, or being able to ask us questions for our upcoming Q&A episodes, or higher tiers include monthly tools or ebook downloads, or our Right Side Up Leadership Journal. Even a Stay Forth hammock is included in some of the tiers. So if you're interested in that, we're going to be talking about it more and more as we move towards our launch date. We are going to launch the page on March 1st, on March 1st. And once we launch that page and it's live, we will be linking the page in the show notes. So we'll tell you where that link is on March 1st. But in the meantime, if you have enjoyed or valued the conversations we're having and you want to support this podcast, this is a great way to do it. And we would love for you to partner with us in this way. Now back to the episode. So from your guys' vantage, what do you see right now that you are encouraged about? Yeah, it's interesting to think about the being encouraged. As, we, as I talk to people, I'm seeing... Um, there is a growing hun- hunger for the authentic. And, and that conversation isn't just happening among millennials as is sort of the cliche, oh yeah, they want authenticity. But we talk to people who are more like midlife and older, and there is a growing hunger for authenticity, which I think is a very good thing. Now that means on the other side, there's a flat side of that where people might be disgruntled with the places they find themselves in community or even just within themselves um, but I think that disgruntledness, if if really looked at carefully, can become a place where people start to move forward in what I think would be a good way, which is the reason we wrote the book we just wrote. Can can we go deeper? Can we ask hard questions? Can we lean into our fears? Can we ease up on our control issues? And I think it's encouraging that people are actually genuinely wanting something more. Yeah, and I think I would just add to that that uh, I think we are encouraged by young emerging leaders yeah. and some of the questions that they're leaning into. You know, I find myself sort of on the tail end of the boomer uh, generation, and so I have to own a little bit of responsibility for how we decided to do church, um, uh, be church. And so I'm encouraged by what I see in younger leaders, the questions they're asking in a I think it bodes well for, you know, the future of uh, the church in North America, at least. And what are you guys concerned about? I think maybe right alongside that, um, we were talking earlier about, you know, these devices. I've been calling my iPhone the experiment in human omnipresence. And, uh, you know, the sense that I am potentially always available to this thing. Uh, and the ways in which I, you know, I just, there's a new normal when you go to a restaurant and you just see everybody with devices. I just, there's so much about that that concerns me about the ability to be attentive. You know, we're being trained for distraction um, if we let these devices do it. Um, and so I'm concerned about the ability to, um, to engage in the long obedience in the same direction, I think, to which God calls us, that Eugene Peterson gave such great language to. 
I'm concerned about the ability to practice God's presence instead of practicing social media's presence or, or the presence of everyone else's opinion. I think those are those are concerns I, I find myself having. And I think I think for me, one of the one of the things I get concerned about is um, any of us who are still thinking that it's the head knowledge and the addition of just knowledge, cognitive knowledge that is growth. I, I really think that growth is when there's an actual life change. Do you see what I mean by the difference in that? Just, just knowing things and being able to argue things or say, say good things to people even is different than your own life being informed by what you know and that there's this lived truth, which actually is quite a lot more gracious so um, I would be concerned about that. Anyone who's just staying only in their head. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've had a growing concern for a while now, Jim, at the amount of information that's out there. And they're saying at this point, it's doubling every 18 months. I'm sure that'll be down to every year here soon. And we have information overwhelm and we are overwhelmed with information and we are hungry for encounters. And Many times we're trying to do that through our phones. I mean, I see so many connections here to that. But at some point, we just can't cram any more into our heads without just feeling overwhelmed, overburdened, um, stressed, anxious. We know way more than we actually do. So absolutely agree with you guys on that. Um, I want to get into you guys' book. You guys are a power couple. You guys do so much together. Uh, and you guys just finished writing this book together. It was released in September. And so what does your soul love? Now, why did you guys write this book? And what do you mean by that title? Yeah, so the book emerged because, um, well, we both love transformation. Um, I, I'm a genuinely curious person. So I love process. And so over the years, I've just always been curious about how God is doing what he's doing in me and then through me. So we did. We wanted to write a book that hopefully invited other people to be as enamored with change and transformation as we are. And we're hoping um, it's coming across in an invitational way. Now, the title is actually also uh, the title of the joy chapter, which I think is chapter nine. What does your soul love? Um, but what these there's eight questions in this book. And these eight questions came actually out of a prayer time of mine. Uh, many years ago, as I said, I'm curious. And so I was asking God, how did I get here? And by that, I meant I was up on a little bit of a vista. I felt good about myself in this particular season. I had grown and I was enjoying where I was. And so I asked God, how did I get here? And, and I knew he knew, I knew he knew that I meant, um, what was the process of my growth and transformation to get me to where I am right now? So I just held that question um, close to my heart for months. And I just kept watching for answers. And that's what these chapter titles are. Um, where are you hiding? What is getting in your way? What's most real to you? Um, what are you afraid of? So you can see common things came up. How did I get here? Well, when I was afraid, I leaned into it. When I was struggling with control, I learned how to let go. When there was resistance, I didn't always succumb to it. I pushed through. So as I was writing down these insights of how things happened, um, that became the spine of the book. 
so helpful. And, and you guys know that I love questions and that's so much of the transformation journey. Can you maybe drill down on a few of those questions that could be really helpful to our listeners today? Yeah. So maybe one of the questions I could lean into would be the one uh, on resistance, which is to say, what is uh, getting in your way? And I think sometimes when we think about the need for change in our lives, we're tempted to think the main thing that needs to change is our circumstance. You know, my life would be so much better if I didn't have this job or this experience or that relationship. Uh, If only they would change, if only it would change. But really the journey of transformation that God's inviting us to is that we're being invited to change. That the uh, one way I I put it somewhere in the book is that the ideal situation in which we could grow is actually our lives right now as we find them. Uh, This is the life that God wants to change with my exact relationships and my exact work and my opportunities and my challenges. Resistance is my little, I don't feel like it in the face of God's robust invitation to say yes. And, you know, one of the things that those of us who would describe ourselves as followers of Jesus would say, at least theoretically, is that what God wants for us really is good and it really would be pleasing. It would be just right for us. And then right alongside that, we have to acknowledge that there's something in me that resists what God's inviting me to. The question is about learning how to notice the resistances within me, recognize them for what they are, which are just sort of surface preferences that are not as potent or strong or as important as the deeper invitations to which God's inviting us. And so one of the images I used was this. I said, I imagine my resistance looking like uh, a brick wall that's just insurmountable. I can't make it through. It's just, it's impossible until I lean on it. And then when I lean on it, I discover, wait a minute, this turns out to be tissue paper painted to look like a brick wall. I thought it was insurmountable, but just a little lean and I found myself through it. One of uh, Jim's mentors loved to say that Anytime you become aware of resistance in your life, that know inside of you to what God is inviting you, that is actually the doorway into the next place of growth to which God's inviting you. Mm, That's beautiful. Jim, what about you? What's one question that can really help our listeners today? Yeah, I thought I would dive into one that's so enjoyable, and that is pain. And the question actually that goes with that is, how are you suffering? And I chose this one because I know that most of us at any one time or another has a place in which we're feeling pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or relational pain. But I wanted to share a story that I shared in the book um, and, and just give you an illustration of how you can meet God in it. Usually we just want to get away from the pain, make it go away as soon as possible. But I want to invite you to, um, to see how you can encounter God. So about 11 years ago, um, I was making the bed and I had a little pop in my lower back and it didn't feel like much except later on in the day, it started to hurt a bit. So now I'm taking some ibuprofen. I'm just thinking, oh, what's wrong with me? But by about a week later, I was in what I would call excruciating pain. I've never had pain like this in my life. And I've had three cesareans. So I know what it's like to recover from, from actual physical pain, but this was, it turned out to be nerve pain. 
And I didn't know about nerve pain. I never experienced it before. And it was quite a few weeks of suffering in this literally moaning pain. And I was bedridden, except for every day I had to get somehow into the van and to the doctor for these therapies that I was doing. So very early on before it was actually diagnosed, I ended up with what was called a disc extrusion, which is kind of basically bone on nerve, which was, which is terrible. Sounds absolutely awful. It's, I'm telling you, I had no idea that the body could feel these feelings. So it was quite life changing, actually. But before it was diagnosed, uh, Alan was driving me to get an MRI and I was laying flat in the back seat of the van and I was listening to worship music really loud just to drown it out. And there was this moment that occurred that um, I didn't I didn't create. It was just this moment where I sensed God's presence with me in the pain. Mm. But it was, well, it's very hard for me to describe. It only lasted maybe three to five seconds. It was very brief, but I had this as intense as the pain was, was how intense I sensed that God was with me in the pain. Now, I'm waxing eloquent about this 11 years later. Let me be frank. It still hurt. And it hurt for weeks until it started to subside. Now, I'm giving you the after the fact, looking back and reflecting on it. I understand that. But the point I want to make is this. It's actually possible to encounter God in a new way in the midst of something you think you need to get over as soon as possible. And so I encountered God in that way. So there's my first E, encounter. The other E that I'd like to share that came out of this terrible time of pain is empathy. Because I didn't know there was that level of pain until I did, it opened up my eyes to the world in a different way. I thought, if I'm having this pain, my guess is there are others who are having this, and my guess is there's probably worse pain, physical or emotional. And so God opened my eyes in a way, and I think he taught me to love in a different way because I suffered. Now, let's be real again. Nobody wants to suffer. Am I right, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) Alan, I mean, so I'm not saying let's all go out and have some pain so we can have these encounters with God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you suffer, because we all do, in the midst somehow, can you have just a little bit of a crack of the door of your heart open to meeting God in it. Let him love you in a new way and let your heart learn to break for others in a new way, which I think both of those would be quite a transforming presence in the world as Christians. Don't you think? Yeah. Pain is so hard and I struggle to engage pain. Some of my, my wiring, I want to run from it and I want to say, I'll find God in the next season. I'll find God in the next happy thought or, or moment. And I'm learning that to lean into that pain as excruciating as it may be emotional, physical, relational, um, that is the pathway to healing. And I don't know that four or five years ago, I would have known that or truly actually believed that. Um, but I do, no matter what kind of, you know, God's God's megaphone, right? That wakes us oh. up. Man. Maybe to what he's trying to do or say. I hate that, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for that, Jim. Um, so writing a book's a labor of love. I mean, it takes forever. And the thing is, the thing is out, and you want to let the you know the whole world know about this. And for you guys, what would be 
uh, like an amazing story for you guys to hear of somebody reading your book and transforming in some way or taking some next step? What do you want to hear after someone reads this book? I think the thing I would most hope <clears throat> as I would be interacting with readers, and we're just starting, you know, now two months uh, post-release date. So we're only just now starting to get uh, feedback since people are, <laughs> people are still reading it. Um, my hope has been that, in a sense, when Jesus comes, his very first invitation, his very first public announcement sounds like, repent, the kingdom of God is near. And, you know, for some of us, we've heard the word repent, and we sort of associated it negatively with somebody yelling on a street corner or, you know, other sorts of things, as though repent was bad news. My hope has been that people would catch a vision for there may not be any better news than the news that I could change. I could change in the ways I know I need to change. I could change in ways God's inviting me to change. That change would be in the direction of the abundant life to which I've been invited. So that's been, I think, at least my hope. I think really both of us that yep. we so long for people to catch a vision for Jesus really did mean it when he said, come, I came that they might have life that's abundant. That would be the means by which we can be people of influence in a world that desperately needs a vision of what an abundant life would actually look like. And part of what that's going to critically involve is change. Yeah, we wanted to keep this really practical. So we shared, there's a lot of self-revealing stories in here because we wanted people to see how this works. If you have, if you're asking the question, how, that's part of what this book is. It's not a how-to manual, but we are showing you from our very real lives, how we leaned into each one of these questions. And someone, someone said to me recently, um, I don't know if I like these questions. They were saying it sort of tongue in cheek. Um, they took me to a place that I didn't know I wanted. And so if you just track down uh, any one of these questions, they will take you somewhere. And so we're hoping for those of you that want to transform, um, that it will encourage you. Well, you guys are talking our language and obviously through through coaching and I mean, even in courtrooms, people ask deep transforming questions to get to the truth and sort of peel away the layers we don't want to deal with. And so um, thank you guys for investing in us by writing this book. I know the kind of time and energy it takes to, to do that. Uh, share a story of transformation that you guys have gotten to hear recently. One story I love, we had the treat of being invited to serve the House of Bishops of the Church of Uganda on a two-day retreat. It's a long story as to how that door opened, but what it meant was that for two days, Jim and I were with 30, I think 37 bishops and their wives and the archbishop and his wife uh, at a conference center. They had handed us a schedule that was rather densely packed in terms of, you know, we flew halfway around the world, so we just better talk <laughs> a lot yeah. uh, to them. And the most beautiful moment, and, and this, this is where the transformation part comes, is they gave us this one little three-hour block, and instead of filling it with three hours of teachings, we gave them an hour to be alone with God. We, we sort of gave them an on-ramp to that, and we took some time afterward to debrief it. And the vision was, here were uh, so many purple shirts, the bishops, 
and and every single uh, one of the bishop mamas that's you know yeah mama mama bishops, bishops yeah mama bishops um, sitting somewhere alone on the lawn in the presence of God. I mean, if you're a bishop in this church, it means you're in charge of a hundred, two hundred, four hundred churches, and so you can easily and quickly imagine that means. Uh, You've got a lot of challenges in your life. Anything that couldn't be solved at the local church level has found its way to you. And the transformation was their vision of a God with whom they could simply be and enjoy instead of a sense of a God to whom they were accountable and who they were serving and who they were working for and who they were trying to be faithful to, all of which is very important, but all of which are fruits of something, not direct pursuits of something. Uh, so that moment was still it was probably one of my favorite moments in ministry in, in 30 time. some years. Yeah, it was beautiful. Well, I love the language that you guys speak and I love uh, that you guys are going after transformation and practical. I mean, so close to the heart of us at Stay Forth. And I'm so glad that we got introduced and that you guys came on the podcast today as well to, to share with our audience. But what I know about you guys is you guys are also practitioners. You guys are trying to stay healthy yourselves and we want to ask this question always, what are some practices? Maybe they're ridiculously practical, maybe they're little, maybe they're really simple, but what are some practices you guys have in your own lives to stay healthy? Well, there's there's probably a list. I'll throw out a couple that are coming to my mind right now. One is um, I've been relying a lot lately on the welcoming prayer, and I don't know if you, you and your listeners are familiar with that, um, but it's a beautiful prayer that you can pray in the middle of the day. It's it's one of its nicknames is consent on the go. So if you're finding yourself uh, running into an emotion, you don't really have time to deal with because you need to keep moving. This prayer can really um, help you just acknowledge what's going on and honor the moment. And you can let go and, and then release uh, your need for, for controlling what's going on. It's, it's a beautiful prayer. If, if you can probably Google the welcoming prayer and find out more about it, but I've been loving that because it helps me reorient quickly in the middle of the day. And um, one more thing I'll throw out just, this is totally up to the minute. I don't know if friendship is a spiritual practice, <laughs> but um, I think it is. <laughs> I but, think so. <laughs> but more lately um, I found myself, my nose to the grindstone just a little too much. And I realized that I was just missing out. I sort of isolated myself for a bit because there's just been so much good going on here. And so more recently, I've been giving myself just the gift of getting more time with friends and just laughing and doing things. So that's another spiritual practice that's been helping me right now. I think that's I'll just beautiful. kind of, yeah, I'll piggyback on that to say um, the irony is that sometimes success can be more detrimental to the health of our souls than <laughs> failure can be. And so, you know, we've felt like this has been a season of, you know, of success, of favor. So actually, one of the things that's been absolutely critical is to keep honoring our commitments to stepping back. You know, the weekly Sabbath has been critical and our our schedules are unpredictable enough that just saying it'll be every week on this day uh, doesn't always work. And so being a little more intentional about which day then will it be. Uh, week to week. We plan that months ahead as a rule. The other rhythm that for 30 years we've really sought to practice is one day a month to step away as much of it, even all the way up to 24 hours, to simply be alone with God in the spirit of Jesus, Luke 5, 16, who often withdraws to lonely places to pray. 
We've just come to find that that is an element of our discipleship that has become absolutely critical, that it's not a practice just so, you know, my battery can be recharged. It's not just utilitarian. It's actually about the cultivating of this core invitation of Jesus. Come to me, be with me. Um, and, and his desire for relationship. So that monthly, as much of a day as we can, has been an absolutely life-saving practice for us for a long time. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. You guys are a gift to so many leaders, and um, we're crazy enough to believe the abundant life is possible. And we yes. say the abundant life is not a unicorn. It's not this thing we heard in some fairy tale book and you know, know that it doesn't actually happen. Um, you guys are literally helping leaders live into that and see change and transform lives. So thank you guys for that. Guys, pick up a copy of What Does Your Soul Love by Alan and Jim. I'm really excited to dig into this and maybe get rocked by it as well. These eight questions sound intense, but thank you guys for coming on the podcast today. How can people track along with what you guys are doing? Well, we are active on Instagram. You can find us at, at Jem Fadling, at Alan Fadling, and at Unhurried Living. Um, we're on Facebook. And yep. then you can just go to unhurriedliving.com. Check out all the things. Get on our email list yep. if you want to and be encouraged every Wednesday right in the middle of your week uh, when you need it. And the last thing I'll say is, like you, we've been putting together every week or two uh, an episode of uh, our podcast. We just recently released episode 100. So, you know, uh, we're having sometimes conversations Congrats. with us. Like yeah, well, thank you. That's a milestone. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. It gives us a chance to share what we're learning. Uh, sometimes the episodes are uh, focused on insights we're gaining. Sometimes it, like this, a conversation with a, a fellow author. But that'd be another way to be in touch with what we do. Unhurried Living podcast. Everywhere. Yeah. Unhurried Living. If you search for it, you'll find us. Yep. Awesome. The Unhurried People. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, guys. We are the Unhurried People. We so people. appreciate your work. Well, keep pushing ruthlessly against the hurry that's trying to steal so much of our lives and relationships away. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Wow. Such a good, hard, convicting conversation. I got a lot to think about uh, in my life. And just as they were talking, I'm, I'm reminded of how cool it is that God can take our story and some of those hiccups in Alan's story and the pace that he was running at, and then really turn that into a gift for other people. These guys have been a gift to so many leaders. I mean, literally speaking all over the world, leading workshops all over the world. Uh, and I'm convicted by the pace at which they lead their lives. And I just think it's incredible that they get to do ministry together. They get to minister together. Literally, this message is going out all over the world. And uh, I was down in Ecuador, and we were leading a pastor's conference, and I kind of thought this was an American thing. And I remember getting in the middle of those conversations, David, and uh, realizing, wait, like this is happening everywhere. And it's, mm -hmm. I think, being sped up with technology. And, uh, and I think has been an issue, but will continue to be an issue for leaders today. Here on out, we're going to wrestle with this idea of hurry. So is there something you can eliminate from your life? Is there something you can eliminate from your life? Guys, we cannot continue to just add, add, add. At some point, we have to prune things from our lives and we have to eliminate some things so that we can take our next step and ultimately be present, be the people God has fully designed us and uniquely designed us to be. And we, we want to encourage you to 
just pause on this podcast and maybe listen to some parts over again, maybe take it off of one and a half times speed, at least for this episode, um, and, and really wrestle with this. Like the question that Alan just asked, what do you need to stop doing? And we don't want podcasts to contribute to that overwhelm in your life where it's just information overload, continuing to consume, continuing to consume. So I wanna encourage you guys to slow down with this one, to slow down with this topic um, and really wrestle with it, really wrestle what it looks like to unhurry your life and to slow down and to take this to heart. I know for me, I need to do that. And it's the same with Alan. And so we're really thankful that you guys are following along with us and not just that, but engaging. Um, we love that. And, you know, as we press into this podcast, there's going to be more opportunity for you to engage. You've heard um, our little spots on Patreon. That is something that is coming. And it's going to give you the opportunity to interact with us through Q&A if you are a Patreon member. And so um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll give you some more information over these next couple of weeks as well. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for following along. Please share this podcast if it's been meaningful to you. Um, subscribe, uh, rate and review on iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to us on. And ultimately, um, yeah, we're just pumped to be having these conversations and uh, just excited that you guys are, are joining us for this. So have a great week and we'll see you on the next episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. So long.